Hello friends and welcome to the Bear Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Cub, a health coach who has been working with men in the bear community and beyond to make small, sustainable changes to their lifestyle and diet. In this podcast, you're gonna be learning about topics like body positivity, weight neutral health, self-love, self-acceptance, and more. So I'm excited for you to be here. A big, warm Cub Hub welcome and let's get into it. Welcome back, friends, to the Bear Wellness Podcast. I am Coach Cub. I'm so happy you're with us today. We have a really great guest. Um, I sat down with Dr. Josh Korn, who is a naturopathic physician um, who practices weight neutral health, body positivity, um, knows a lot about herbalism, and so much more. So we get into some really interesting topics that I think a lot of you may find fascinating. Um, it's really refreshing to speak to a doctor um, who is all about body positivity and is part of the bear community. I think it makes him very approachable, um, very re relatable. And, you know, we're likely gonna do an additional series with Dr. Josh Korn. So let us know what questions, you know, come up during the conversation. Um, any kind of questions or topics you want covered in future episodes, like really reach out to us on Instagram at the um, at Bear Wellness Pod. Um, let us know, you know, what would be helpful to cover because we're going to do some deep dives into specific topics like BMI, you know, and dispelling the myth of BMI. Um, you know what weight neutral health really is. Um, we'll go more to nutrition and so much more. So we're going to have some great conversations coming up, and we kind of do some broad strokes to you know explain the overview of his work and what he does um, and who he is in this episode and then we'll go deeper into future episodes but a lot of what we talk about is um, about you know stress management uh, mental health and one thing that really helps me is recess drinks um, you may have seen me post about these on Instagram um, it has, has hemp, hemp and extract and other adaptogens um, that really help your body manage stress better so for me it works really well if you do want to try it out um, go to takearecess.com so takearecess.com and use promo code bearwell so again b-e-a-r-w-e-l-l -L, for 15% off um, they have a sampler pack they have so many cool products I love the coconut lime mmm not everyone loves coconut but um, it's like going to the beach for me, so I really love it. But um, try that out. Um, but yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode. And I hope to see you at one of our bear uh, fitness classes or yoga classes or meditation classes um, too in the future. So you can learn about those also on our Instagram, Bear Wellness Pod. Um, and with that, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope to hear from you very soon. All right, bye friends. All right, welcome everyone to the Bear Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Cub, and with us today is Dr. Josh Korn. Um, super excited to talk to you, Josh, today. How's everything going? Going well today. I'm super excited to be here. 
Fantastic. Yeah, this is one of the, the interviews I was really looking forward to. Um, we connected on Instagram and I think we'll kind of talk through, you know, what you've been doing and the connections that we have. But um, I think as soon as I saw you on Instagram and like saw the work you're doing, I was like, ah, oh, this is the type of person that I've been wanting to connect with for so long, who's like in this kind of bare um, body positivity space, but who's doing like more medical work. So yeah, I'm excited to Same. I, I feel like we have a, uh, like an Instagram friend crush on each other because everything you do, I'm like, oh, he's so great. <laughs> he's doing so many good things in the world. I just love what he's doing. <laughs> oh my God, I'm flattered. I'm like I'm blushing over here. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Likewise, I like I said, it, as soon as I saw your Instagram and I have it up here because I like to just kind of talk through what's on there, but you're a naturopathic doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you do like weight neutral health and weight neutral nutrition. And normally I would just read it off the bio and it'd be fun just to do it. But I feel like there, there, you do so much and it's a little bit complex and I don't want to like trip over my words. So if you want to just tell everyone like what you do and what your titles are and all that, and then we can you know get into it a bit further. Yeah, sounds good. So naturopathic medicine. Yeah, I'm a naturopathic doctor. A lot of people may not know what that is. If you live on the West Coast, or maybe in the Northeast, you may have heard of it. Elsewhere in the country, it's not nearly as common. So it's a distinct um, healthcare form where we really prioritize natural solutions as much as possible, really big on prevention, using food as medicine, um, listening to the body and treating symptoms from the source. So not just like palliating the symptoms, but really trying to like, you know, figure out who our patients are, work with them, get to the root of the problem. In Oregon, which is where part of my practice is, we're licensed as primary care providers. So my practice there looks a little bit different than in other states. Um, In Oregon, I do a lot of medication management, herbs, supplements, order labs, imaging, all that kind of stuff. I just opened a practice in Texas where I'm doing educational consults, mostly here. Licensing laws are different from state to state. So it changes what I can actually do, but at the uh, at the basic most basic level, I can always talk about diet, lifestyle, herbs, talk about you know mind body techniques, stress management, all those kind of foundational health uh, pieces that are actually kind of the basis of what makes us healthy or not healthy. So I, I can do all the things, it no matter where. Well, that's why I asked you to to explain it because I would have. I wouldn't have said it nearly as good as you. <laughs> I would have gotten I, I had to practice. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, uh, he, I would read your Instagram bio and that'd be it. Um, so that's all fascinating. And that's really why we connected. And I love what you're doing because, um, you know, as a health coach, I work on a lot of like lifestyle and diet related uh, topics with my, my clients. And um, it sounds like basically your work is, like similar but goes deeper you have a medical background it sounds like you have many hats and it's like you can but really at the end of the day you're trying to find like the root cause and you're like looking at the whole person as opposed to just like their symptom is that right totally yeah and I think what you and I do has a lot of overlap because I'm not I'm not the kind of doctor who's just gonna you know listen for five minutes give you a medication, get you out the door. And for some of my patients, I do a lot of health coaching too. So it's just, you know, regular follow-ups. Once a month they come in, we kind of check in on where they are, brainstorm together ways to, you know, make changes. And that's what they want out of our relationship. Some patients it's more involved and more medical than that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of different hats depending on the person. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. This is going to be great. I think, you know, the idea of this, this chat will be to just kind of be a little bit of an overview and then hopefully if we're lucky we can have you back to the podcast 
to maybe go over different topics or some like listener questions. Cause I think mm-hmm. what I've gathered from my coaching and then also just, you know, polling my men's group and, you know, my Instagram is that a lot of people want like a doctor like you who is not going to judge them based on their weight. Um, so I think there's a lot of like really cool topics and a lot mm-hmm. of value that can be added um, to, to the conversation. Um, before we get into all the good stuff, and I always like to ask this question normally, but especially with you, because you just talked about like a million things that you know, uh, I would love to know one thing that you're just not so good at. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so many things. I'm not, <laughs> you know, character flaws. I'm not good at being patient. I'm not good at uh, I'm not trying to tell everybody what to do, which is probably why I decided to be a doctor. <laughs> so right. I can, this is what you need to do. Um, I will say like from a, like kind of related to health, I'm not good at taking my own advice. And I think mm-hmm. that's really true for a lot of people. Um, you know, we can tell other people how they can treat their <laughs> conditions or improve their health. I'm not always the best at doing that for myself. So I'll say that that's probably the biggest thing I'm not good at. Oh, no, I think that's fantastic. And it's really good for, I think, people to be aware of. Because I think one thing when you talk to a doctor, you talk to even me as a coach or anyone else, when you're talking about your own life and diet and all these things that make you very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go in thinking you're going to be judged or that the person is like, you know, um, intimidating, you know, it could be difficult to open up. And I think sometimes it's good to know, like, you're human, you're a doctor, you're good at doing that, but also it's not, you know, behavioral change and implementing what you know is not always the easiest, even, yeah. even if you are knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I try to I try to walk that line with my patients as far as like sharing enough that they see that I'm, I'm just a regular person, but I also want them to, you know, respect what I know. Um, and I, I don't always want to share too much <laughs> about like, you know, I don't take my own advice, but I think it can be really helpful for people like with supplements, for instance, I'm usually really bad about taking supplements. I've been better in the past few months with COVID because I'm really trying to, you know, take my vitamin D and my vitamin C and all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful for people to know, like, I'm not going to prescribe you a lot of supplements because I'm not very good at taking them. You know, I want you to tell me what's a reasonable number and then we'll shoot for that. I love that. Yeah. Super practical where it's like, yeah, if, if you can't really implement it, how do you expect somebody exactly. else to? Um, yeah. Awesome. That's all, yeah, I think helpful to know. And I feel the same way where it's like, I want to be approachable and I can um, empathize a lot with what a lot of my clients go through or, or just anyone who I help. Um, but yeah, if I start going to, down the laundry list, of just like, <laughs> especially my anxiety, I tend to like tell a lot of people about my anxiety that I'm like, which I like, I think it's good to, I think... Mm-hmm especially when it comes to mental health, and I know you work on mental health issues, I think it's good to open up, but there's always this weird fine line where I'm like, uh, like, I don't want yeah, to overshare. Overshare. Yeah, like, and it even happens even with friends where a lot of people around me know I have a lot of anxiety, but I think once you see me in that light, then it's like, everything is through that lens. You're like, are you anxious? Are you not anxious? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate it, but um, awesome. So, you know, I kind of want to just talk through just your background in general, like what made you interested in this type of work? Um, before we do that though, you're, should I go by doctor? Like, how do you like to be addressed? Uh, just in this Josh. Episode? Josh is fine. Yeah. We'll do, I like, do, can we call it doc, Dr. Josh is kind of cool. 
Yeah, you can call me that. You can call like, me whatever you want. The cool, the cool doctor. Um, yeah. All right, Dr. Josh. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, just about your background. Like, I always love to know where people like grew up, what childhood was like, mm-hmm. um, and then what made you interested in this and to go down this specific specific path. Yeah, um, I grew up in Western North Carolina, so I grew up in the mountains just outside Asheville, and that's really where I got interested in natural medicine because my mom had an herb garden. Her friends gave her an herb garden for her birthday one year. Um, it was the 90s, you know, herbs were really cool. Nashville's <laughs> kind of crunchy, so it fits. She liked the herb garden, but I like loved the herb garden a lot. So we got some books and I just, I was obsessed with it. Like throughout childhood into, you know, college and young adulthood, it was an interest of mine, but it's not something I ever pursued. Um, in college, I, I did international studies and geography, so not particularly related to medicine. And then when I was trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do for graduate school? I wanted to focus on plants. So I was looking at ethnobotany programs, how traditional cultures use plants. I looked into doing agriculture and like organic agriculture and thinking about how we use plants and how we use the environment to produce plants now. And I kind of stumbled upon naturopathic medicine, which has a really deep um, knowledge and use of herbal medicine. And I was like, oh man, this is what I want to do. Like, this is a way to use plants in a way that actually directly benefits people. So I went to National University of Natural Medicine in Portland and uh, did my naturopathic medicine degree. Also have a degree in integrative medicine research. I did research on a specific botanical formula and have been doing research ever since then, um, often related to plants and the immune system and kind of how they interact. Fantastic. Wow. That's quite an interesting story. Um, so you're like, your mom got a gift and you're like, I'm going to take this over and then make this into my career. Thank you very much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm an only child. You know, so. <laughs> like my garden. Um, fantastic. Um, yeah, I was actually just curious. I'm going to kind of bop around with a bunch of different random questions because I, I feel like there's a lot I don't know about your type of work. Um, it what's the difference between naturopathic medicine or like practices versus like herbalism? Yeah. Naturopathic medicine includes herbalism. Um, It includes a lot of stuff and different providers practice completely differently. I like to call myself full spectrum naturopath because I use pharmaceuticals in my practice. I use super gentle energetic medicines, the more like woo woo stuff. I talk about astrology with my patients. I talk about their feelings all the time. Like it, I base it on the patient and kind of how I'm feeling that day. It's like, what's going to come out? Um, (laughs) Herbalism is, you know, just focused on herbs. So naturopathic medicine has a lot, a lot of tools to offer people. Okay. Interesting. So you're like, depending on my mood, you're going to go on like Xanax or you're going to go on like (laughs) some, or we're going to burn sage. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's part of it. Or, you know, what the patient wants to do comes into it, but I'll, I'll pretty much, you know, half the time I'm going to be like, oh, in my head, at least I'm like, oh yeah, you're, you're a Virgo. You're just going to be anxious. So we got to deal with that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, so you have like a lot to draw from. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very eclectic. Interesting. And just out of curiosity, like what was it about like herbs and plants in general that like you feel like you were drawn to? Well, I feel like I've been drawn to different parts of them, like from a scientific perspective and like my research on them, I really want to know how they work with the body physiologically. Like what are the constituents that are working? How's it, you know, 
affecting pathology. So that part is really interesting to me. A lot of our pharmaceuticals are based on plant medicines. You know, they're synthetic now, but they were, the original compounds were discovered in plants. So I think that that kind of herb to drug pipeline is really interesting. Um, I'm also really interested in the energetics of herbs, the traditional uses, kind of thinking about herbs from a more you know, uh, spiritual perspective, like how do cultures interact with plants? How do we interact with plants? What else is there besides just the constituents? Like, is there a spirit in this plant, like metaphysically speaking, that is like, you know, what's the character of the herb? I'm really interested in that as well. And I think that when I'm working with herbs specifically, it allows me to kind of match the herb a little bit more closely to the person, um, which is something that you might not get if you see someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in herbal medicine. Like anybody can tell you to take, you know, St. John's wort for depression, but maybe your picture doesn't really need St. John's wort. Maybe it needs lemon balm or it needs rhodiola or it needs, you know, something else based on kind of how your symptoms are. So there's, there's a lot more art to it. And I like that. Got it. So St. John's wort is like the only one I knew, like in my head, I was like, St. John's wort. <laughs> that's the only one I think that's I know. the one everybody knows <laughs> um got it so you're really looking at it like the full picture of just you know the ins and outs of it the spiritual aspects how people in different cultures interact with herbs um fantastic and um when you decided to start studying it in as your master's um what 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 was that learning experience like? What were there like aspects of it you didn't expect to be interested in or aspects that you learned that you were really excited about? Like what was the educational experience like? Yeah, that's, um, it was quite a journey for me. When I, when I first started, you know, researching it, I was like, oh, cool. It's, you know, they're doctors, that's cool. They can see people, but it's, it's in my head, it was like, it's all herbs. And I got to school and the first the first year and a half, really, we don't talk about herbs at all. It's just standard, like, biomedical, you know, physiology, biochemistry, pathology, same kind of stuff that conventional medical students learn in their first couple of years of the program as well. So there were times when I was like, wait a second, aren't we supposed to be talking about plants? Like, I thought this was Hogwarts. I'm, <laughs> why am I learning about biochemistry right now? Um, and later in the program, when we were in clinic, I found that I was really I was, I was really interested in the primary care model, how to integrate natural medicine into primary care. So my residency, I did a three-year residency as well, focused on primary care in an integrative model. So figuring out like, how do I, how do I manage medications and herbs and supplements, you know, and diet? Like, how can I use all these pieces for the patient? So I didn't How, how do you do it? <laughs> it's, it's hard. <laughs> Um, but you know, I didn't, I, I think going into the program, I thought I was going to come out an herbalist, like that's all. And then I came out and I was like, oh dang, I actually know a lot about being a doctor. <laughs> like, not what I expected. Shucks. <laughs> but it was a good uh, thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, uh, there's probably a lot to, even just the mechanics of being a doctor and kind of the approach in the setting, I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about because <laughs> I didn't go to school for it, but I'd imagine there's a lot of practical reasons of learning like the background of that and then being able to like insert like other types of learning about herbalism or mm -hmm. you know, whatever other modality into that kind of setting and template, if you will. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in our program learning about physiology and biochemistry. It's a really big 
feature of the first couple of years. We've spent more hours doing that than conventional medical students, like really diving into the biochemistry. And I think that is because so many of our treatments, either nutrients or herbs, we have to understand the physiology to understand how it works. All right. So it's, it, it, we, we really, I think, as naturopathic doctors have a pretty deep understanding of like the processes going on in the body. Got it. Yeah, I'd imagine that's important. Um, awesome. So you went through that program, you did a few different internships. Um, and what, how did you choose which internships to do? I, I was like doing a little bit of research on, on you. Yeah. I wasn't stalking you, I swear. I was just on your website. <laughs> uh, no, but I was trying to just kind of gather because again, there's so robust what you're doing. So I was like, how do I, and I like, took all these notes that are all just like sloppy and I'm like, how do I ask questions and do this? Um, but yeah, I saw a few different internships that you did. I'm just curious like what that process was like of like which ones you selected, what were the experiences like? Um, and are you, did that help you decide like where to go with your practice? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I kind of selected things based on what I was interested in at the time. In my, in school, my, my longest internship, I did a year long cardiopulmonary mentorship um, with a couple of doctors who were very well-respected and natural, naturopathic cardiovascular health. So I spent a lot of times running EKGs, interpreting EKGs, learning about conventional management of, you know, cardiovascular concerns and natural management. That's been really helpful because so many people in this country have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, right? Like that's right. like half the population has one of those things. So that was really beneficial to me to see kind of more advanced cardiovascular pathology and learning about managing that. In residency, I spent time, um, I, I did a, my, my longest uh, rotation in residency was doing ears, nose, and throat. Um, so I spent a lot of time with that as well. Again, really common, common cold, sinusitis, allergies, all those things. So I feel really comfortable managing that. And one of my favorite ones was I did a, I spent about nine months with a doctor who focuses on a very specific form of uh, energetic medicine. It's really dilute herbal combination. Um, Dr. Amy Bader, and she kind of mentored me in that. So that was a totally different aspect than this more like primary care, like biomedical focus. It's more like, let's talk about this person's energy and like their emotions and how do we dig into that? So that kind of fed two different sides of me. So I'd like to think that I'm able to, you know, marry those things together. And then I also, during internship and residency, spent time rotating at uh, Oregon Health Science University. So that's a conventional medical school in Portland, um, Providence Hospital System, working with infectious disease in both of those places. And then I did an integrative medicine rotation with uh, conventional residents as well. So it was a, it was a dual, like there were there was a naturopathic attending and a conventional medicine attending and then residents from each program. And we would see patients together and consult with the two doctors and kind of, you know, come up with integrative treatment plans, which is really cool. Like seeing that work together in practice. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, whew, and how long was this time span? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was four years of school and then three years of residency after. So seven years of training. Got it. All righty. And you, so you were in, you grew up in North Carolina, uh, moved to Portland, Oregon. That's mm-hmm. where you went to school, mm-hmm. did a lot of this work. And then um, I know when we spoke originally, kind of 
explain to me like your move to Austin. So you're currently in Austin, Texas, right? I am. Yep. I moved here at the end of June. Um, big life change. Time to leave Portland. I got married. No, no more long distance. Fantastic. So, I was trying to, when you said marrying the two, I was going to try to segue that into <laughs> you getting married, but it's, I'm a little bit delayed. That's okay. It's still <laughs> um, Fantastic. How are things in Austin? How do you like it there? You know, uh, it was kind of a weird time to move in the pandemic as far as like, it's harder to meet people right now, but the city is great. Um, I like being around the sunshine, especially right now. Portland is starting to get gray and rainy for the next six months. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some sun. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, today in New York was okay, but I'm still like, as soon as it starts getting dark early and cold, I'm like, become miserable. Yeah. So I'm like, why don't I live in the South? Um, awesome. So you're down there, you have, um, I mean, b- before we wrap up, we'll go over kind of like where people can find you and all that. But mm-hmm. I know that you're doing, like you had your practice in Portland, right? And then now you have some kind of like hybrid situation where you are now, or can you explain yeah. one, like what that is? And then two, I'm just curious, like, because I do think a lot of people, you know, in this audience and in the, especially in the bear group that I run would benefit from talking to someone like you. So I'm just also curious about like what you're able to do for people remotely, especially if, you know, a lot of the folks are in the Northeast, although we do have listeners and people in the group all over the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I, I do maintain a practice in Portland with telemedicine. Um, I'm connected with a the clinic there. So I have residents who can see my patients if they need, you know, acute care or physical exam or something. But I do a lot of management just online because thanks to COVID, we moved, we all moved everything online. So that right. benefited me. Um, my practice in Austin is more focused just on consulting. So it's not, you know, I'm not going to be running labs and prescribing medications and that kind of stuff. I'm just going to be talking about what are your health goals? How do we get you there with, how do I support you naturally, right? Are there supplements? Are there dietary changes? Are there herbs that can help with this? Like, how do we get to the root just with that really basic foundational stuff? Um, A lot of my practice in both places focuses on uh, people with bigger bodies, so men and women, but especially bear community. Lots of us are bigger guys. And I think, like you said, it's beneficial talking to someone who not going to judge that because I've had that experience going to a doctor and really feeling judged about my body size, even though, you know, I exercise and I eat generally healthy (laughs) all the time, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to have that and it makes you feel like you don't want to go to the doctor. So I think working with me, not living in Oregon and any of the other States is really just about like talking about how your health, is where you want it to be and how we can get you there from a completely non-judgmental body positive weight neutral standpoint i don't care if people lose weight i just want them to be healthy fantastic um that's great so it's good to know that you know people can can work with you in some capacity even if they're not in um oregon or if they're close to you in in texas Mm -hmm. um i'm curious i mean there's so many things i'm curious about i mean one and again just to bop around like because we brought up like body positivity and weight neutral health. What, what was your experience being in like medical settings and going through school as a guy who with a bigger potty? Like, cause like, cause we were talking about like just coming to a doctor in general, <laughs> can be nerve wracking. So did you feel that while you're like any kind of, um, well, you just explain, I don't want to lead you on here with an answer. Yeah, I think, 
You know, there's not a lot of folks uh, in medicine or in my program who have bigger bodies. Um, I have a few friends who, you know, we've, we've definitely bonded over, over being the, the chunky docs. Um, <laughs> that, there you go. And, 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 and your Instagram handle is not chunky doc. And I, it's not. It's missed really opportunity. <laughs> um, you know, so there's definitely challenges. I think that the body size really in, in the literature gets conflated with health so easily. Like BMI, BMI is just a measure of your body mass compared to your surface area. But it often, people take that to mean your actual health. And even, you know, learning about disease associations and stuff in class, it's always like, oh, well, obesity. And if you have a BMI over 30 and all this, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, is everybody looking at me? Like, you know, it's a, I don't know. It's it's like, there's a lot of internalized um, shame and stigma that goes along with being in a bigger body. And I think lots of us in the bear community have experienced that like we get it from the outside world we internalize it and even though we're in this community that celebrates body positivity to some extent it's not it's not for everybody um you know and I, I think there's issues with that in our in our own community but I think even though our community celebrates it to some extent there's still that internal like struggle and shame associated with it got it so you did kind of feel feel that a little bit while you're in class and then um but then it sounds like you've been able to bond with some some classmates or other doctors you know over having bigger bodies and i think it's great that there's representation it's like Mm -hmm. it should just be natural anyways but i think because there's such a stigma within the medical field it's i would imagine it makes it a little bit more difficult for someone with a bigger body to to study and go through the like medical training yeah, and I think that, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, I really, I focus on it in my practice. I spent a lot of time reading about weight research and weight medicine um, and trying to understand the difference between weight and health. And mm-hmm. literature is, is honestly very clear that weight and health are, there's a relationship, but they are, it's not a one-to-one relationship, right? Like just because your size is larger doesn't mean your health is worse. It goes back to like all those foundational things, like how are you eating? What are you eating? How are you feeling as far as like stress level? Do you have friends? Are you hanging out with people? Like, are you happy in your life? There's so many other factors that are honestly like more important for overall health than body size that nobody ever talks about. It's just, you know, we live in a fat phobic world. So that's what gets discussed. And Yeah. And it's, we also live in, in a seemingly like binary world where it's like, or like very, like we, everything's black or white. So it's like fat, unhealthy, skinny, healthy. And it's like, that it's clearly not the case. I mean, you know, I know I have, my brothers are my size and weigh a lot less than me, but I would say like one of them doesn't eat as well as me or, you know, has other things that he's going through that like would impact his health, you know? And it's like, if you just looked at us, (laughs) you wouldn't, you know, gather all that other, all those other data points and like information. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just one way to see somebody and it shouldn't be that, the only thing you see about that person. Completely. And I am curious then because, and this is like one topic I think I've been wanting to talk to someone about for so long. And then that's why I was like, oh my God, now I have you to talk to, talk to you about this. Um, is like, I'm curious about what your feeling is about like the body positivity movement in general. Um, and, and then from there, like as it relates to like health, 
because I'll just, and I'll just kind of tee it up with my own view of that. I, I grapple with it where it's like, I think we shouldn't judge anyone for their, the size of their body. I think like there are some health implications for uh, having like extra fat on your body. Um, but again, I think that the pendulum is swinging in the other direction where it's like, I, I feel like you should be empowered and feel good about your body no matter what. And I think like, that's like the good parts of it. And I just feel like there may be some, like a little bit more of a middle ground where like, there's also um, on the opposite extreme, um, some coming to terms with like the fact that there are other, there are actual health implications. But that also doesn't mean that that person, that anyone should change their body for those reasons. I think we all should be able to make whatever choices we want to make. So it's just, it's kind of messy in my mind about what all this means. But I'm curious about like what your take is about all of that. Yeah, I think similar to yours, honestly. I think that, so I follow a, a, a perspective, a paradigm called health at every size. It's a copyrighted term book written by Linda Bacon, PhD. Kind of, that's, that was kind of the, the landmark uh, book that started this whole you know, movement toward that in medicine specifically. I think it's important to remember that health at every size means that whatever size you are, you can improve your health making changes, right? But it doesn't mean healthy at every size. So it doesn't mean that someone who's skinny is healthy. It doesn't mean that someone who's fat is healthy. Like it, it means that you have the potential to improve your health and be healthy for whatever size you are. I think that that gets confused a lot. So, you know, I, I struggle with it as well because same as you, it's like people can make their own choices about things. I, you know, personally, I want to be healthy, whatever size I am. I want my patients to be healthy, whatever size they are. But I also respect that health is not a goal for everyone. Um, and you can't really force that on people. So as much as we might want people to, you know, engage in that and uh, try to achieve that, it's not something you can force people to do. So there's in the, in the kind of like fat advocacy community, there's a lot of discussions about healthism and judging people. And now it's like, okay, we're not judging you based on body size, but we're basing you on your health choices. But, you know, it's like you have, you don't have to make healthy choices if you don't want to. As a, as a physician, I'm like, oh, but you should though. I, I would like it if you did. Right. Yeah. So it's not so straightforward, but I think, I like the idea of the health at every size where it's like, cause that doesn't exclude people. It's like, no matter what, no matter what you are or what you look like, um, there is a way to improve slightly. And that's what my coaching is all about. Like making small sustainable changes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's go from like zero to 60. Um, and I think that's also more encouraging approach because I feel like to some degree, like, because there's so much fat shaming and we live in a fat shaming society, like that can, that can discourage anyone from trying because it's like, well, I'm never going to be like super skinny or I'm never going to be like quote unquote fit. So now I'll just not care. Um, Which again, that's anyone's prerogative, but I think I like your approach that it's, it's a bit more encouraging. It's like, no matter who you are, what you look like, there's ways to like improve your health. And that's Mm -hmm. what you should be focused on. And I think, you know, thinking about our relationship with food also is a really big part of that. Like we live in a really, American society is so weird about food. Like we hate food, but we love food. We hate it when people eat too much, but we encourage people to eat too much. So it's like, 
I have this really weird relationship with food. And I think a lot of my practice also involves like, let's think about, you know, are we eating because we are hungry? Are we eating because we want that food? Like one thing I really reject in, in medicine and health is this term of like food as medicine. I use it all the time because food is medicine for sure. Like it is nutrients, it's nutrition, it's important, but also food is celebration, it's culture, it's community. It's all these other, it fills all these other roles in our lives. So I think we have right. to make space for that as well. Um, but I also know, you know, like, and I've struggled with this myself. And I think lots of us in the, in the bear community probably have, like we self-soothe with food, you know, maybe less healthy choices, like sugary foods, high fat foods, because those are things that make our body feel good. And in the moment, that's totally fine. But my goal is always like, how do we, how do we help you cope with stress or anxiety beyond that kind of like short-term fix? How do we get to that root problem? Right. No, I love that. I think I, I like that you brought up just like the dysfunctional relationship we have as a society with food of like, yeah, it's, uh, it, as I'm talking about it, it gets me all riled up. Cause I'm like, I, I revolt against like the wellness industry in general and maybe like some of the medical and, uh, field mm-hmm. as well when it comes to all this stuff, because yeah, I think like we, like our, our, we're a capitalist society. A lot of like the money that's made is through products and food. We try to get people to eat, you know, sugary foods, all types of foods. Like there's so many different like um, motivating factors, I think like swirling around in our society. And then the idea that, yeah, a lot of the wellness industries does consider food as medicine, but doesn't take into account like all those other aspects you mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's very, it, it, it just doesn't see the whole picture. You know, it's like, we, we hold people personally accountable for their body size, but then we don't try to fix any of the problems that are actually like contributing to body size or weight gain or any of those things. Like what's in our food? Why people are, why do people want sugary food? Well, because they're stressed, they're anxious, they're sad. Like all of those things make your body really want to eat sugar, you know, like they make it sugar then makes you tired if your blood sugar is dysregulated so it's this like endless cycle and like no one not no one most people in medicine or the wellness industry they just miss that and it's like oh it's your fault fatty it's your fault you're fat you know and it's like no it's nobody and then it's like i care so much about you that i'm gonna shame you to make changes right yes Uh, yeah it's frustrating it is completely um and that's why I'm glad people are like you are out there doing Thanks. your mission. Um, so interesting. I mean, that does kind of, there's, again, we're going to be probably covering a lot of these topics in the future and do deeper dives. Cause I'm like each one of these we can probably stay at forever, but that does segue nicely into, um, into mental health. Cause I know that you also, that's part of um, your practice. And I've just seen based on some of your posts, like recently about, um, I think like sp- stress and maybe depression and different um, herbs and other things to, to use um, to, to treat that. So I'm just curious about um, what that looks like in general. Like how does mental health play a role in your work? Yeah, I, well, you know, it kind of informs everything I do because mind and body are obviously connected. And I think that along with mental health, we have to think about social health, um, which has been especially hard the past seven months with pandemic, lockdowns, restrictions, all that kind of stuff, like social health, I think has really been challenging for people. 
and that has affected mental health. There's new statistics from the World Health Organization and the CDC just this week talking about the percentage of people who are experiencing anxiety and depression higher than it has been in years past. Alcoholism is, you know, increasing. Um, suicidal ideation is increasing over this past seven months. And it's like, well, of course it is. Like, it's, it's a, been a crazy time. Mm-hmm. I read uh, in, the, in the Times yesterday, they're like, the World Health Organization uh, estimates that 50% of people have pandemic fatigue. And I'm like, who did that research? It's a hundred percent of people. We're all tired of it. Like we've all made so many changes. <laughs> right. like, it, no, it's, I'm like, I'm really jazzed about it. You're right. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, apparently half of people are like super into it. Um, and so I think like with mental health, I, I ask all my patients about that. I, you know, if patients are just coming in for like, Oh, my blood pressure. So I'm like, tell me about your stress level. Tell me about your sleep even more now than ever because of all these changes we've gone through as a society. It affects everything. Um, Some of my posts recently, yeah, have been on stress and hormones and depression and how that's all involved. Like I learned in writing those posts that constant chronic levels of stress, not only do they deplete our, our our happy neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, but they also damage, chronic stress damages the receptors. So even when you have the hormones, your body can't use them properly and it's just like oh that's crazy to me like the you know we all know that stress affects your mood but there's a physiologic basis to it so it's just it's it's all it's all connected and uh yeah it's it's a big focus in my practice because i think it's under uh it's underrepresented in in medicine in general and people don't get to talk about it as much as they should oh completely and i think you're right i think it it's it I think it's kind of like a, a through line in everything and like how we're impacted as humans, especially in modern day of just like, we have overwhelming amounts of stress. It's just, and it's coming in weird ways and weird channels. Um, and then we're, but we're still wired the way we would be, you know, thousands of years ago. So it's like, we just have this chronic, like constant surge of these hormones Mm-hmm. Um, with nothing to do. I was talking to my coworker, I think yesterday about it, just like, you're just in your apartment or you're in your home, especially now with COVID. But I think even like with that aside, I think, you know, if we went back to this time last year, it would still not be the greatest situation of people on their phones too much, which I am uh, working on that myself. Yeah. And just like, do, you know, like reacting to emails, reacting to the news, like it's just this chronic thing that we're all dealing with. Um, and it impacts mental health and impacts your, your food choices and impacts, you know, how you're able to show up in the world. So yeah, there's a lot there. So I'm glad that that's like a good, like a starting jumping off point for you with your, with your patients. Yeah. It's a place to start <laughs> for sure. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to tease out all those details. And I think a lot of it, honestly, um, like you said, it's, it's just our society and it's just, it, it's something that like is, there are unsolvable puzzles what we can't do, we can't fix our society with one single person, but we can't fix how you react to things and how you relate to it. Right. Interesting. So yeah, I'm just curious what else you've learned because it is such an important topic. Um, curious, like what else you learned into, while like researching it and then also maybe just like how it sh- showed up in examples with patients and how you, you've help them either manage their stress or kind of like work through different areas of health through the lens of stress? Yeah. um, I think that stress also being related to gut health and hormones is really important. So 
our gut produces 95% of the serotonin in our body. So that's a direct relationship to mental health. When we are constantly stressed, the junctions in our gut cells tend to loosen. That can cause food particles to get into the bloodstream that can lead to inflammation, more inflammation, Higher levels of inflammation are associated with depression. So it's like this chicken egg thing, like which came first, the inflammation or the depression. So I talk a lot about gut health as well. Like how do we calm that down? How do we chill you out so that you're digesting appropriately? And I think if we think about like, you know, clinically speaking, like working with patients, I see patients a lot of times with stress and gut health issues. And their they're kind of clinical picture to me is like, they have had it. They can't stomach one more thing. They just can't take any more in. And it's like their body is reacting that way. Like they're having acid reflux and they're, they're not digesting very well and they're not mm-hmm. assimilating and they're having loose stools. And it's like, you know, your body is not, it can't take anything else in. Like we've got to get rid of the stress so that your body is able to do that. And I know that sounds really like woo-woo and weird, but it's, it's, it goes back to the physiology of like when you're, when you're stressed, your gut is not happy. And when your gut is not happy, you're going to be extra stressed and depressed. And it's, it's just a, a vicious cycle. Oh yeah. And as you're talking about it, like I, cause I do have general anxiety. I'm like, well, oftentimes I do feel it in my gut. Like that's where I, where I experience anxiety and maybe yeah. stress as well. So it's like, it just makes sense that there's something there. And I think like it impacts my breathing, you know, and then like, I also know if you're stressed, you're probably not digesting food properly. So there's just like, yeah, there's a whole lot um, to explore there. Um, and that made me think of earlier, sorry, my mind is just going in weird places. You, I spoke over you at the same time. And I think you said something about feces, about like, you, you're like, oh, I do weird things. And I have my, I talk about, or I like something about your patients with feces. Did I hear that right? Maybe. I don't know. I do talk to my patients about what their poop looks like all the time um, because I think that gives you a lot of answers about someone's gut health. Yeah. What is there anything like, and it's all things that you can uh, like see with your naked eye or is this like, will you do like stool tests? I do stool testing sometimes, but generally it's like, it's more, what is the, what's the pattern like, right? Like, do you, is your stool really loose all the time? Is it really hard all the time? Is it um, is it alternating? Does it cause pain? Do you have gas? Do you have bloating? Those things are all kind of associated with, you know, different issues in the gut, different issues in the body. If we think about kind of like energetic picture of someone, not, you know, like diarrhea, upset stomach, GERD to me, those things are like, I can't take anything else. That's like a really, that, that stress drive is really high. Like their sympathetic nervous system is just ramped up. They're not digesting. Everything's just coming out. Mm. With constipation, a lot of times I see like physical and emotional constipation go together. So if you can get someone like eliminating properly, like with their stool, but also like, let's talk about your emotions. Like let's talk about these deep seated, like anger and resentment. Like if we can do all that at the same time, it's like the physical body is processing it and the emotional body is processing it. Fascinating. When you said patterns, I was like, I thought you meant like the actual poop pattern. Like there's a pattern in the poop. <laughs> I mean, you know, I haven't gotten into that. I'm, I'm sure some people could tell you about your poop pattern. <laughs> I'm like, the longer this, like toward the end of the day, my mind just goes to crap or whatever you want to say. No, I think that's really great. And I think like these are all things that I've been interested in learn, learning more about. It's just hard to 
like there's so much and even what you've we've covered and what you've talked about already it's like each one of these is such a loaded topic um mm-hmm. so awesome so i guess we'll just move on to maybe like a few other topics before we wrap up and then hope hope to have you back so we can talk through a lot more in depth um what are other like i call i guess we call like big rocks or like big um areas of health that you work on that are like foundational so we already talked about like you know, food relationships and diet. Um, I know you talked a little bit about, we talked a little bit about exercise, I believe, or just like, um, like mind body stuff and gut health, mental health. Um, what, uh, what other areas do you typically work on with your, your patients? Uh, sleep is a big one. Sleep's related to literally everything else, you know, good quality sleep going to go a long way. Um, and so that is a, that's a key piece that I talk to patients about harder with stress, harder with anxiety, harder over the past seven months. There's a, there's pandemic insomnia that's being reported in the literature is like this kind of non-specific insomnia of just basically our brains have too much uncertainty and it, they can't shut off. I'm sure some of your listeners, it's not all we've experienced that in the past seven months. Yeah. Or like, or the host. No, yeah. I, 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 I had, I had yeah, <laughs> everybody, um, no, I think it makes so much sense. And I, I've had long bouts of insomnia throughout my life. I was never a good sleeper. And, um, so that's like a huge focus of my own, of just trying to figure out how to get good quality sleep. Um, and yeah, I find like if I'm more stressed or that I have more things ruminating in my mind, like I just can't shut it off. And then it's yeah. like, that plus a cell phone in your hand plus you know all the other uncertainties going on in the world right now it's like yeah it can make it really hard what have you found in general um helps is it mainly like lifestyle changes um it it depends on the person um i think one thing that has been helpful for a lot of patients is journaling and not even like just journaling just like free writing you know like especially at night, keep a notepad next to your bed. If you cannot sleep because of ruminating thoughts, get up and just write everything down. If you write everything down, it, it's this act of like getting it from the mental to the physical to help it come out of your body. If that's a problem during the day, a lot of times I will tell people, spend five minutes, write down all your worries, take that paper, crumple it up, throw it away, go on a 15 minute walk, like really discharge that through your body. Um, and that's helpful sometimes, you know, sleep hygiene, like cold, dark room. Don't use your phone an hour before bed. I tell everybody that. And then every night I'm like on Instagram right before bed because we all are. Um, (laughs) That that can help. It is. It totally is. Um, But, you know, there's, I think a lot of people have kind of gotten to the point of like, I need some supplemental help, some herbs, some supplements, some medication, something to help me with sleep. And I think that's totally fine if that's what people need right now, because it is a weird time we're in. Yeah, it really is. And I love um, the journaling idea. And I've, I've had at different parts of my life, um, like, uh, like a morning journal habit. So especially in the, like I would normally do it in the morning, but I would also, there's times where I would do it at night. And I think, yeah, I think there's some power of like, getting things out of your head onto paper, you know, pen to paper. Um, I've also had some good luck of just like saying things out loud. I think this is mainly when I was like really anxious when I was like coming out in my early twenties when I was just like probably panicking all the time. I would just, I think my therapist is like, just if it's the middle of the night, just like say out loud, like what it is that you're worried about. 
sometimes just like getting it out it's like closes some kind of like loop or something of your brain yeah. trying to solve it right yeah i think anything just getting it out of your brain saying it writing it down whatever you have to do just like don't let it rattle around in there forever completely um and yeah i think oh, the cell phone issue that's like <laughs> what i'm on right now like i've yeah i same thing like i've worked with you know uh clients who are trying to get off their phones and come up with solutions and like but then yeah it's so easy for me to just be like all right now i'm on my on my phone at night but what i try to do is like go on airplane mode like at like 10 p.m and i don't turn it back on till like 10 a.m so that that's it's like because i see and i don't know how, if you view it this way too but just like i look at like night like evening routine and morning routine and like they're like you know um so closely related so it's like I usually work on, if I work on one, it'll impact the other. So, um, you know, I try to like improve my sleep at night and then also in the morning, like set myself up for a good day so that I can go to sleep that night well. Um, So that's one thing I found. Yeah, and I think I just need to like not have access to it. I think like, I don't know if you saw the Social Dilemma documentary. I haven't haven't watched it yet. I really want to, but also I'm like, uh, do I want to watch that? Yeah, yeah, you'll just be like up all night on your phone, just like to like numb out because it's it's frightening. But um, yeah, one thing one of the guys in it says something along the lines of like just how addictive it is, and he's like, "Well, that's why I don't carry cookies in my pockets." And it's like, oh yeah, it's like if you have anything, like it's so hard. Like willpower only goes so so far. So like if you have something that's addictive in your pocket, yeah, of course we're on it all day long. <laughs> it's like if I had Oreos in my pocket, I would eat Oreos all day long. You know, it's like the same yeah. idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. So sleep is also a big one. Is there any others that you? Yeah, movement for sure. I mean, we talked to, you know, briefly about mind body, but I know you do a lot of movement in your, um, in your life, you know, yoga and hiking and uh, all the kinds of stuff that you're involved in. And I think that figuring out a movement that is pleasurable is really important. And that that's something I've come around to um, in my life because I was not, I didn't play sports, um, you know, past middle school. I exercise was something that I found later in life as like, oh, there are activities that I can enjoy that move my body, that give me exercise, that it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to go to the gym and like log on the treadmill for 35 minutes every day, you know, and hate your life. You can, Mm. you know, walk in the park, go for a hike, like go dancing, like whatever. There's so many ways to do that. And I think trying to like brainstorm and encourage my patients to find the thing that they like, that's going to move their body. That's going to get them involved in exercise. And I think exercise often also goes back to that body positivity piece. Like if people have, you know, been in bigger bodies, especially when they were younger, oftentimes people get teased. They feel like exercise is not for them. Fitness is not for them. You know, it's, it's for these people who are already fit. It's for these happy, skinny people. And it's not, it's not their thing. And like anybody can work out, anybody can exercise. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's all about, like you said, just finding authentic ways that are fun for you. Yeah. And I think like reframing what exercise is, because I think, yeah, we've been sold a bill of goods of like, exercise especially through the wellness and like fitness industry it's like exercise is like going to the gym Mm -hmm. it's yoga and that's it yeah you know and it's like there's so many other ways to move your body (laughs) as a human that are fun and like you said dancing like 
pre-COVID, if I went out dancing for a few hours, like on a Sunday, I would go out to a dance party. It's like, it's a intense workout to dance totally. for a few hours. I think what you do too, you know, with your, with your groups is bringing people together who maybe all have similar experiences and it makes that space really safe. It's like, oh, I can do this around people who look like me, who, you know, are not going to judge me. And I think that's really important too. Like, honestly, I, when I first started going to the gym, I thought everybody was looking at me because I didn't know what I was doing or mm. I was fat, you know, I was, it was, it was so anxiety producing for me. And then I realized that like, nobody's looking at you because like, I'm not looking at people either. And I'm like, oh man, I bet these people are not actually looking at me. Right. So, you know, like reframing that your perspective, I think helps with exercise and being around other people who are in the same position is helpful. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I think that's like the great, like, plot twists of our lives is like nobody really cares about you <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah you know like I had to learn that especially in New York City because you're just like you can go out and do like the weirdest thing and people are just like okay like no one will even look at you so yeah. but I think uh, I think there's a really good uh discussion around that idea because I've noticed it where like I have a hard time in the gym because I'm an introvert and I don't like I don't like people watching me do activities and I don't like doing things wrong and I don't like it's that weird moment where I'm like, ah, if this person's watching me and I'm not doing this right, I'll be embarrassed. So I get nervous about it in that regard. Um, but then I've also felt it in like yoga classes in New York City where like, I'm like, oh, my belly's sticking out. I'm like, all these women are hundred pounds, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think what I've had, I've had to do a lot of inner work on like my own insecurities and anxieties and things. And one thing is I think like there's a magnifying glass internally in our own insecurities that other people just don't see mm-hmm. so you're like in the gym being like oh like I'm so nervous my belly is out or I'm doing that in a class and it's like that's because maybe that's something I'm insecure about but like if if the other person's not insecure about that or other people in the class they're not even noticing right. they're just so hyper focused on it um and I've had to just explore that topic in so many areas mm-hmm. of my life because I'm like just an anxious person yeah same I uh I my thing has always been like breathing heavy. Like I really try to control my breath so that people don't know if I'm out of breath because I'm like always like, Oh, if that person is not out of breath, then I shouldn't be out of breath. So I I try really hard. And if you're trying to control your breathing, when you need to breathe, your body is going to revolt, you know, (laughs) then it's really awkward. And I'm like, Oh man, now I made myself like way weirder than I would have if I had just been like like, honest about my breathing. Oh man. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think everybody, that's the other plot twist, I think, is that like everybody is dealing with their own insecurity. So they're on in their own worlds doing that. And like I learned this from doing my met my bear group where we do like live events in New York. And now we do everything virtually. And you should come to some of the classes. Like yeah, I'd love, love to. to have you to like the fitness class or the yoga class. Um, because yeah, it is a really good environment and um it's a shame because even, even the fact that these classes are for men with bigger bodies, I still get messages from people who are too anxious to come or feel like they need to like get like work out a lot so that they're prepared to come. And I'm like, it, it almost makes me want to cry because I'm like, this is the space that's for you. Yeah. You know, and I know, and I, I get everyone has like major hangups around it, but it's just, even when it, it like there's been so much damage done that even when there's a space that is for you, it, you're still anxious to come so that's that's unfortunate but something I'm trying it to work, push through with people I think that go you know like it, it, I think like 
the bear community, but also like society, you know, it's, it's catching up. Like there are plus size male models now, but there are certain kind of plus size model. Like in the bear community, oftentimes it's like, you can be fat if you are hairy, if you have enough muscle mass, like there's like this right kind of, you know, ideal that then people, it's like, we, we keep like subtyping everything and we're like, oh, but I don't fit that. So I can't come to this class because I'm not, it's like, you're not enough. It's like, you are enough. Like you said, it's, it's for everybody. It's, it's for you. Yeah, no, completely. And I think that's a good point where it's, there's a lot of, um, work that needs to be done because yeah, I think, you know, I, I've only been really running around the bear community for a handful of years. So I'm no expert, but like, there seems to be a trend moving toward like, you know, people being shamed within that community from people who are muscular or, you know, are like Insta bear, Insta celebrities or whatever you know what to call them. <laughs> um, so yeah, even in a space that I think originally was, to support people um, and build them up is now kind of turned toxic, which is, you know, how I'm trying to, me and a bunch of other people and yourself included and a lot of people I'm connected with are trying to, you know, turn the tide on that. Um, but, oh yeah, what I was trying to get to was um, from running these classes, I had like facilitators who will come and facilitate like a massage event for me. And they've said like, oh, it's, they're actually like, the guys in my group are seeing so much more liberated and like happy and just like are enjoying the event so much more than like when they do the same class for men in an exclusive group where it's like, you have to be, you know, trim and send in your photo beforehand or whatever else. Um, because those people are also comparing themselves to everyone else in the room and the standards are so high that like that gets in everyone's way. Cause you're like, well, I have six pack, but it's not as good as that guy's over there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think everybody, is dealing with some kind of insecurities or, you know, issues, especially around their body. I think we we are in this society that's made everyone like neurotic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you get on Instagram and it's like, I do this too. I mean, I follow, you know, accounts of people who I, I think they're hot. I think their bodies are great. And I'm like, man, I wish I looked like that. I don't look like that. But then I, you know, I've experienced in my life, people being like oh you're so attractive you have such a nice body and I'm like me no I do not you know like those those cycles really play out in our heads and it's like I think like you said we forget that everyone is doing that we're all constantly doing that and it's not good but it's nice that it's at least normal and that we can just kind of quit caring because everybody's doing it yeah exactly well said um awesome so listen I know you're a busy guy so I want to respect your time and we'll start to kind of wind down with maybe a few additional questions. Um, So, well, one, um, is there anything we didn't cover that you're hoping we would talk about? I I don't know if you listen to JVN's podcast, but he always talks about it in terms of yoga. He's like, is there a pose that you like, you're hoping we do in class we didn't do? So was there something you're like, I really was hoping to chat through this? No, I think we covered everything everything I wanted to talk about. I definitely hope I can come back and kind of get more in detail about some of these topics. Oh, completely. And I hope, yeah, if you're listening, like and you're curious about anything that came up or just any questions that you have um, to ask a bear doctor, we could do like a ask bear doctor series. Um, <laughs> I love cause, it. Cause I already got some questions from people or like questions and also just concerns about like the body shaming with doctors and just, you know, why that is and whatever. And I think we covered a good amount of it, but 
I think it would be great to hear from you about all sorts of questions and topics. Um, okay, cool. So then we'll kind of wrap up with a few additional questions. Um, so just so you know, folks can maybe walk away with like a few um, takeaways and things that maybe they can implement in their lives. You know, just maybe drawing on maybe like, let's say like the top, like three things, common things that you see, whether that's like the sleep, stress, and whatever else that you're you're seeing from people. Um, what are just like a, like one or two things for each category that you think people can do to just kind of cover their bases? And I know everyone's different. So these are just kind of like broad mm -hmm. recommendations if you're willing to give. Yeah, um, this is not medical advice, everyone. This is just general educational information. I have to preface it with that. So I think deep breathing is a really important thing. We don't breathe deeply into our abdomens. We don't, you know, our posture sucks because we're constantly like this on the computer, but breathing deeply, um, it basically resets our sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is our rest and digest. So it tones that vagus nerve that's in kind of like the main driver of the parasympathetic nervous system. It can chill you out. So if you have an Apple watch, the breathe function is really good because it reminds you to breathe. It kind of counts you up and down, but you can do a, a a technique called four square breathing, which is where you take a breath in for four counts, hold it for four counts, and then you breathe out for eight counts. That long exhale is the really important part with that. So just breathe when you're stressed, breathe, breathe when you're anxious, breathe, you know, and practice that. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. If, um, if you just try to breathe when you're anxious, your body's going to freak out and be like, I, I'm going to breathe how I want to breathe. So you really do have to, it's a, it's a practice of breathing. Um, and when you're, if you're at the gym, breathe. Exactly. Breathe. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say is, and I'm really bad about this. I love to eat and I just want to get it all in, but like chew your food and eat slowly. People who have digestive issues, heartburn, uh, even like diarrhea or constipation, bloating, gas, a lot of it goes back to just, we eat our food really fast and we don't chew enough. So ideally you're chewing your food 20 to 30 times each bite before you swallow. I usually get about three to five in there um, <laughs> until I like, I'm like, oh dang, I got to slow down. I got to slow down. So just slowing down, like being in the moment with your food um, can really go a long way, both for like digestive issues and for stress. Mm. And let's see, for uh, I guess those would, those would be my top two things that, that anybody can implement. They're safe and easy, um, but can have really, really wide impacts on your health. Oh yeah. No, I, I love that. And I, I love different like breathing techniques and yeah, the chewing one just gets me. Cause I'm like, I, I will typically recommend the same to my clients. And it's like, I can't chew my food for <laughs> I know. like, it's like impossible, but I, it's something to strive for. And I think it is, it is a goal to set. Yeah. And I think also just the idea of like slowing down when you're eating and like, and, and this is also something I'm trying to get better at in real time right now myself or get back to is like unplugging, like being in my body when I'm going to eat. So I know what I'm like, what is happening and I'm not reading emails. I'm not getting triggered. I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm just like yeah. with my food. So yeah, those are all really good places to start. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing those. Um, second question. What do you love most about your job? Um, I love talking to people. I really, I really like knowing people's stories, seeing kind of, you know, where they are. And I love seeing, and I'm, I'm sure you share this, like 
giving someone some tools, some information and seeing them take that and run with it and really like make a change in their life and feel better. Like that's such a cool thing to me. Um, just like empowering people and, and getting to know them is really cool. I love that part. Fantastic. Are you, would you consider yourself an extrovert? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the border of extrovert and introvert, but I am learning being in a new city in a pandemic that I am more extroverted than I thought I was. Interesting. I'm like, I need some people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that from a few people who are like, and myself included actually, where I was like, I thought I was an introvert and I've always said that was been my narrative. And then like, since yeah, the quarantine, I'm like, I actually like really enjoy people. I'm very outgoing. It's just, I'm a highly sensitive, like maybe like outgoing introvert, perhaps yeah. if you want to like, whatever. And I, and I also realize it's on a spectrum. It's not like totally. binary as well. Um, anyway, um, where do people find you? What your website, Instagram? Yeah, website is drjoshcorn.com. Instagram is dr.joshcorn. Um, you can you can find how to work with me on either of those places. You can send me a DM, send me an email um, at drjoshcorn at gmail.com. And happy to chat with people about working with them uh, as a client. So, or they can just follow on Instagram for, you know, educational content. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of your posts that were, um, inspired me to learn more and to kind of read some of your blogs and other things. And um, yeah, I feel like I just, yeah, uh, especially people in this community, people who are listening, hopefully you find Dr. Josh to be approachable and, you know, a part of your community. And I think, um, you know, are more apt to maybe check out what you're doing because I know the feeling of seeing certain people on Instagram or doctors or nutritionists. And I'm like, I don't, like, I don't care what they're telling me. You know what I mean? I almost like revolt again. I'm very like, um, have that in me to like revolt against things. So I will just kind of push it aside, but, um, hopefully just given the way you've talked about it today and your approach in general and knowing that you are, you do focus on like weight neutral health and health at all body sizes that people will be, you know, excited to maybe learn and to dive into areas they haven't in the past and also reach out to you to, to work with you. Um, I think that's really awesome. Um, all right, cool. Last question. What are you having for dinner? I am going to have some rice um, that my husband made with uh, the, the juice and drippings from a pork roast. So the rice is very flavorful. And then we're going to make some chicken with that. And I made some uh, but uh, delicata squash last night. So we'll have that too. Fantastic. Oh, that sounds like a really good meal. Do, will you have any kind of dessert? Um, no, we made cookies last night, but we ate them all. So, <laughs> no dessert Fantastic. tonight. Well, I'm yeah. there. <laughs> um, listen, I really, really appreciate, you know, your time and your expertise and knowledge. And you, again, just honoring like what you're doing in the world and how important it is to, to me and to our community and to all the people you help. So thank you for all of that. And thanks for spending uh, some time with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I, I feel the same about you. I feel like you're doing really great work and I love seeing it. Um, super happy to connect with someone else in the community who's doing that. So I appreciate all the work you're doing. Fantastic. Well, till next time. Awesome. All right. Thanks again.